Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovey and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Hey, everybody, welcome to the post-game edition of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo, AFC Super Wild Card Weekend. It was kind of super. The Bills had a uh, super win here to advance to the AFC Divisional round. Matt Bovey, Sal Capaccio. Matt, I mean, the story of this game is injuries for the Bills, I think. We'll get to that later, but on the field and getting to the victory, I guess maybe Josh Allen's running and willing his team again. Tonight, Josh, we're recording this after the game on Monday night. Josh Allen looks like the best player on the planet. There's times when he is capable of doing that. Three passing touchdowns, a rushing touchdown. In moments like this, you need your biggest players to step up. And he did. The difference in this game with all of the injuries the Bills ended up having on the defensive side of the ball was the best player on the field was on their sideline and not the Steelers sideline. And when you get to the playoffs, look at what has happened around the league. The teams with the elite quarterbacks move on. The teams with the quarterbacks that have question marks go home. And that's why the Bills are still playing. Because, listen, there's a lot of people who deserve credit in this game. The tight ends, Khalil Shakir, the running game was pretty good. All the different guys that stepped up. At the end of the day, this is because Josh Allen is one of the best players in the league, and he showed that on Monday night. So if you are one who does box score scouting, and I think this happens a lot with Josh, right? where people look at, ooh, an interception, ooh, look at all this. Yeah. You're not going to be super impressed with 203 yards passing. I mean, he was 21 of 30. That's 70%. That's very good. Yeah. But only 203 yards passing, but three touchdowns, no interceptions, and then what really stands out, the eight carries for 74 yards, 9.3 a carry, including his longest touchdown run of his career, a 52-yarder, and Boy, that was sensational. Yeah, that was incredible. And that's one of those plays where you're like, slide, slide, slide. Nope, keep going just because you're going to score. And he is ridiculous. There's one play that you didn't specifically bring up that I want to bring up because I think it perfectly encapsulates Josh Allen, the player, and is the reason that he is criticized so often. The Bills are up 11. Okay. This is in the second half. It is third and nine. And Josh is rolling to his right, trying to make something happen, and throws it across his body to Stefan Diggs for a 12 yard gain a first down, and it puts the Bills in field goal range. They eventually kick a field goal, a 45-yarder from Tyler Bass, that once again gives the Bills a two-touchdown lead. There are two or three quarterbacks on the planet who can make that throw. He is able to do it, but you have to take the good with the bad because there are times when you do that and you throw a silly interception and everybody freaks out because they go, you cannot make those mistakes. Well, you can't make those mistakes then you can't have those incredible plays like we saw against the Steelers. Tonight, it was the incredible plays. He was able to extend a drive. He was able to once again will his team. That play gave them three points. The drive stalls out. They don't get a touchdown, but they once again gave themselves a little bit more of a buffer. Then the Steelers go down and score. And then you know what the Bills offense did? Then they went down and scored again to once again give themselves a 14-point lead. So yeah, you know the, the touchdown to Shakir, is an incredible individual effort from Khalil Shakir, the biggest play of his career. The 52-yard run from Josh is a freak play. Bad tackling from the Steelers. He fools them. A play that only he can make. But there's also those little plays mixed in that often go unnoticed where you just realize how special this guy is. Yeah, and, and you're 100% right about you got to take the bad with the good, right? And we say that all the time to people who, you, know, you do radio interviews, TV interviews around the country, and everybody wants to talk about the interceptions. What do we always say? Hey, look, they're going to happen. But he also makes plays that no one else can make on the planet, as you said. And how about Joe Brady attacking right away a couple of times when the Bills had a chance, including the the touchdown to Dalton Kincaid. What a great play call. What a great throw and catch. 
one of the Brian Dable moments, a flashback to they get a turnover, they get a big play, and then they immediately go for the kill shot. And I love that. I love that right when they knew they were getting the ball back, they were like, okay, we like this defensive look that we're going to get. We're going to take a shot. So I loved that play. Another under-the-radar play that I loved were the Bills going for it in their own territory on third and one. And on fourth and one, the quarterback sneak. Allen like rode the wave. It looked like he was going to be short. He jumps up in the air. He rides the pile. He gets the first down. That was the play. By the way, it's two weeks in a row McDermott elected to do that. I mean, a little bit of a change of philosophy from Sean in that regard, maybe, since even earlier this season, much less years past. Your bread and butter is your offense. Yeah. I know that he is a defensive-minded coach. Never let any – you can criticize Sean about a lot of things. Never let anybody tell you that he is a conservative play caller. He has not been a conservative play caller since the AFC Championship game in 2020 to the Kansas City Chiefs. From that point on, he has often made the right decision on those plays. He did it last week with the game on the line against the Dolphins multiple times. They get stopped at the end. That is indicative of two things. One, that you trust your offense is going to get that yard. I mean, your quarterback 6'5". Jump. You're probably going to get it. And if you don't, you feel confident in your defense that they're going to make a stop. Now, tonight, I don't know if I really feel confident in the defense because of all the injuries that they had, but I just think that's another sign of growth for the coaching staff that they realize. Let your best players make the plays, and that's what they did tonight. Yeah, we'll talk about the injuries in a minute. Let's um, look at some of the other people who shine in different ways. By the way, can you tell Matt's the TV guy, I'm the radio guy, we're doing this, we got a new background, he kind of just tilts the camera a yeah, little bit. A little light, bit. I know. Because the light. We got to put the shining on my head no, there. Can I cover it? We want, we want the light in okay. between us. Oh, oh is that what we want? Yeah. Because you're not, the TV guy. Because it's not cutting up. Either <laughs> you have to be covering it the entire time or you have to let it come. Uh, so it's not giving you a weird glare. Well, there you go. And if you're watching us on the Sal Sports YouTube channel, it's always game day in see Buffalo. Sal. Yeah. See, we, he said goodbye to Sal Mariana. Bye, Sal. Uh, he's leaving right now. It's a little bit of a late night here. But also, of course, you can download and wherever you pod. It's always available. It's always game day in Buffalo. 31-17, Bills win. Okay, the defense. They suffered through a lot of injuries in this game, and the Steelers started to get into a rhythm and take advantage. I mean, what do you, I mean, think about this for a second, all right, Matt? Their starting two cornerbacks were out. Their starting two linebackers were out. Their third safety was out. Um, their starting three cornerbacks actually were out, counting Taron Johnson, actually. I mean, boy, it was a mash unit out there. I give credit to these guys for, for stepping up. I mean, it wasn't easy at times, and it didn't look great all the time. But, man, how about Kyrie Elam coming in, Cam Lewis having to play two different positions, mm -hmm. Terrell Bernard gets hurt. We'll talk about him in a minute. Bill Inspector was already starting. He gets hurt early in the game, and now you have to have your two linebackers are A.J. Klein and Dorian Williams in this game. Looked like a practice. It looked like a preseason game, yeah. right? I mean, you had at one point you had Dorian Williams and AJ Klein on the field as your linebackers. You had Cam Lewis out there in place of Taron Johnson. You had your corners as Dane Jackson and Kyrie Elam, which are their third, excuse me, their fourth and fifth. Because I mean, it's Trey Rasul. Right. Benford. So you've got Dane Jackson and Kyrie Elam as your starting cornerbacks. They're just incredibly banged up. That's going to be the biggest storyline as we get ready for the Chiefs game this week. Is are they healthy? Are they bouncing back? To me, the huge one is Taron Johnson. I mean, Terrell Bernard, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Is Taron Johnson going to be ready to go? Is Russell Douglas going to be ready to go? Is Tyrell Dodson going to be ready to go? After the game, Sean said that of the two between Douglas and Dodson, he would say that Dodson was a little bit closer. I mean, that's indicative of the practice report anyway because he was limited on Friday before the game got moved. Russell Douglas did not practice the entire week. If you get those guys back, that is a huge Huge get for the Bills. 
Terrence- now that said, can I say before you move on to Terrence Johnson, our buddy Tim Graham of the Athletic tweeted out he talked to Rasul Douglas after the game in the locker room, and Rasul said he wanted to play, but the coaches held him out. He said he will play next week. Now, granted, that's the player. The player doesn't make the decision, but I think that's encouraging on that end as well. Tell us about Terrell Bernard. And I, you said to me, I didn't even know I was doing some work up here. There was a report about Bernard, so maybe people have already seen this, but. We're just getting all this stuff here as we talk tonight. Okay, this is I'm going to read this verbatim. This is not necessarily the greatest podcast or video, but this is right. from Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. Bill Star linebacker Terrell Bernard, who has emerged as one of their top defenders, has what is believed to be an ankle sprain. Source said x-rays negative MRI tomorrow. That is such incredible news if that is all accurate. Now, once again, his big thing is there's an MRI tomorrow. You do not know what the MRI is going to show. It's even a long shot probably that he could be available against the Chiefs, but this is me speculating. He was carted off the field. It's not often that you see somebody carted off the field and then available to play the next week. But if it's not a long-term injury, if it's an ankle sprain, and that's something that he could potentially get Not a high ankle. Just ankle sprain, not a high ankle sprain. If that is something that he could come back from, let's say, you're not counting your chickens, right? The Chiefs are an incredibly difficult opponent, and it's going to be a really good game. But if he's available for down, because the whole thing is you're trying to win a Super Bowl. You're three wins away. You can get by the Chiefs without him, and then he's available down the road. That is a, a massive, ma- mass- he is one of the most important players on that side. It's Ted Oliver, Tim, probably the safety. Like He is very high on the list of the most important players defensively, so him not being injured long-term would be a big win for the Bills. But these guys stepping up the way they did on that defense, and they were just piecing it together with duct tape, basically. And you know, We've said all year that Sean McDermott, his coaching staff, has done a great job dealing and navigating through the injuries with the defense, and this was another night in which that happened. There is one particular guy on defense I want to talk about specifically. All right, Matt, Kyrie Elam. Is a guy that hasn't even played that much this year. Mm-hmm. Luckily, you know the Bills did put him on the active roster after the 21-day window opened. They didn't lose him because they needed him this week with Russell Douglas down, but nobody thought he'd be pressing the kind of duty he was tonight mm-hmm. against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ben- Benford goes out. He's got to come in, and it didn't go well initially. He has he gets run over by Pat Fryermuth for a first down. Mm-hmm. Then he has a pass interference at the three-yard line. Oh, and then he just picks off the ball in the end zone, and he was fine after that. He almost had another pick later. Better to be lucky than good. I'm not saying that that's the entire case, but his head turned probably a split second before the interception. That ball was thrown to him more than it was thrown to Deontay Johnson. So kudos to him for making the catch and bringing it in. He had one that he probably wanted back later with George Pickens. It was another bad throw. It almost looked like he'd landed on Pickens' foot, and that's why he wasn't able to bring it in. Just another... Kyrie Lum has been somebody who has been criticized often. I understand that he has not even played close to the potential of what you thought you were getting with a first-round pick, but isn't it funny that in back-to-back years in wild-card games, he has made critical interceptions for his team after not even right. really being available. He did this against the Dolphins last year in Skylar Thompson. He did it again this week. He's also had an interception in his career against Patrick Mahomes. So that's the team that's coming up next. You would feel so much more comfortable with your secondary if it was any combination of Christian Benford and Russell Douglas and Dane Jackson than having to go down the well to Kyrie Elam. But I would think after a really shaky start, an overall fine performance from him. The Bills didn't put the Steelers away. In fact, they let them creep back in the game. They needed a big drive to go back up two scores. They got it. They go down the field. It was actually aided by a penalty on the Steelers, which allowed the kickoff to be a little bit you know, close to the Bills. They, they benefit a little bit from field position. But in the meantime, they go down the field. 
Khalil Shakir, his play, you just said it, maybe the biggest play of his career. Boy, how monstrous was that touchdown for the Bills to go up two scores? You know what Khalil Shakir drives? Uh, I don't. I'm, is it a joke or is it real? No, it's real. <laughs> so Khalil Shakir drives a Subaru, which is the exact opposite of what you would think an NFL wide receiver <laughs> drives. And I think this is the perfect kind of way of summarizing him as a player. He is reliable. He is safe. He's dependable. He makes the big play when you need him to make. He is not as flashy. I mean, Stefan Diggs said last week going into this week that sometimes Shakir makes a big catch and he doesn't know how to react because I guess maybe it just even caught himself off guard that he was able to make the big play. It's the biggest play of his career. He has been super dependable for them for the last several weeks. He had a couple nice catches against Miami. He was very involved in the Chargers game as well. I just think there's something to be said about him emerging as another player on this team because without Gabe Davis, once again, Gabe Davis is a guy that gets criticized by a lot of people. I think a lot of it is unfair just because he does so much for your team. You would much rather have Gabe Davis available than not available, but forcing the ball to Shakir a little bit seems to be working because it, it's not even – did Trent Shurfield even have a catch in this game? No, he didn't have a target. And and I'm going to look at Stefan Diggs' line. So, again, another game in which if, if you just make one throw to Stefan that looks a little different at his stat line. But, again, man, another nice stat line after last week. Last week, he had eight targets, seven catches. This week, nine targets, seven catches. It feels like Josh and Stefan are back on the same page. They're just still missing that big play. Yeah, they're missing the big play, but they were really close to hitting it. The one at the end of the first half where Josh, I mean, he threw into double coverage. Yeah. But it looked like if he put the ball probably another yard in front of him, that Diggs would have probably brought that one in. I'm just looking at some of the other things. Kincaid, once again, had the big catch. So, I mean, he finished the day with 59 receiving yards. He had the, the touchdown that was 29 yards. I also liked today, I'm looking at Cook. I mean, he didn't really do much. How about Deontay game. Hardy's big play? Yeah, Deontay Hardy had a nice play. I mean, that one was one of those catches where then right when he caught the ball, it looked like he was returning a punt, basically, as he was trying to cut up fields oh what i wanted to say was with stefan Diggs, one of those moments where you remembered that he is on the same page as josh i think it was like a third and four or third and five going up one-on-one -on -one against joey porter jr josh just throws a back shoulder throw it is completely a timing route it's a complete trust route ball is snapped before Diggs is even turned around allen is releasing it to him he makes the catch that moves the chains like those are the things that you need to see because even though he's going to garner the most attention, he is still the safety net for Josh, and he's still the guy who's – I mean, Dalton Kincaid, there's another good example of this. It was like a third and two, and Allen tried to hit Kincaid, and he threw it a little bit behind him, and they had to punt on the next play. That was early in the first quarter. You know, They're on the same page, but not as much as Diggs and Allen. Those are the guys who, in the big moments, he's always looking for number 14. And on the other side of the ledger, they held Pickens and – uh, Deontay Johnson, the nine catches, 98 yards. I mean, that's nice. It sounds nice, but those two guys together combined, nine catches, 98 yards. I think that's a nice job by the Bills secondary because Mason Rudolph have been hitting those receivers. Now, they did work the middle of the field a little bit, and that's going to be an issue next week, especially considering the injuries with Travis Kelsey coming in. We'll see where that goes. But the Bills did a nice job overall to get the ball out to their wide receivers in this one. And with Khalil Shakir and his big play, Deontay Hardy, his big play, Stephon Diggs, seven catches, and they did a nice job on the other side. Uh, a couple other guys I want to talk about. How about Sam Martin? Listen, this guy pulls his hamstring chasing down yeah. a blocked field goal. I, I was down on the sidelines, man. I will tell you, he was he was in a lot of pain, yeah. and it looked like he would not be able to go back in. Mm -hmm. But he did go back in, and he punted, and he had a 45-yard punt yeah. even with that. So give him a lot of credit, a lot of kudos for toughening it out and being able to get that punt off. But on the two previous punts before that, 
again, inside the 20. This guy has been sensational. That's why he was the AFC Player of the Month. Special teams. So that's the good with the special teams, assuming his injury is not anything long-term. Although Sean McDermott did say after the game that he and Brandon Bean had a preliminary conversation about if they need to bring in a punter this right. week. So I guess they'll see on that. What is your level of concern with the kicking game? Because uh, not, not good from Tyler Bass today. No. Opening kickoff was not even good. He kind of mishit it, mm-hmm. squibs it. Then he has the blocked kick, and sometimes that's on you. Sometimes it's not game off low. And then he just drilled, drilled one wide left. The first block kicked was, I feel like, a little bit of a poor decision. It's 49-yard kick, so he's got the leg for it. But I watched a bunch of – we had a show this morning at 11.30, so I was at the stadium super early, and I was watching all of the special teams guys warm up hours before the game, and it felt like every kick that was going in that direction was not traveling at all. So 49 yards was probably closer to 55, 60 yards, and I feel like Bass was – kicking it with power when you kick with power usually you're kicking it low because you need to get more power to get the kick there and i feel like that's probably one of the reasons i mean he could have mishit it too like i'm I'm telling you this from just my vantage point i think he was trying to put extra on it and that caused it to go lower and that's why it ultimately could get blocked it was not a chip shot so in that instance it makes you wonder would they have been hindsight's a heck of a thing they would have been better off just trying to go for it and not getting it because that would have still saved them 30 yards in a sam martin injury but it's a 49-yard kick in the condition. And, and I mean, he's got to come off a little bit low. But, yeah, Sam – I mean, Tyler Bass, I think, to me, yes, I'm always confident in Tyler Bass. It's not been the most even of years for him, though. He started off great in September and then did a real tough October, November. Came back very strong in December, which can't have these things pop up in the, um, in the playoffs. No. You need a guy who you know is going to make a kick. And <laughs> – He's certainly capable of it, but I don't know where the trust level is. I know internally the trust will be very high because he has made some big kicks for them, but even you look at the team that you're about to play. Harrison Butker has made multiple big kicks. for the. I mean, he made the big kick yep. to force overtime against the Bills in the 13-second game. You look at the game earlier in the year where Jake Elliott makes the 59-yarder in a monsoon to force overtime against the Bills, and I'm not being rude. I'm just looking at my phone. As we're recording this, the Eagles are down 25 to 9. Wow. Quarter. Do they fire Sirianni? I don't know about that. I think that, um, you know, everything's always on the table. What yeah. if they can. Also, did you see, because you were been busy, did you see who has officially interviewed Bill Belichick? Yes, the Atlanta Falcons. That was a very weird thing to read, right? Yes. Um, before we get on to the next week and the opponent, the Kansas City Chiefs, mm-hmm. Matt, I mean, turn around, look at this stadium. I mean, it's amazing how well the field staff and everybody involved got this thing ready to be able to play this game, considering the circumstances we were under just you know 24 and 48 hours ago, essentially. It's, mm-hmm. it's pretty amazing. It was a cold game. There wasn't a lot of places to sit because of the snow. The fans showed out. The staff did a great job. The people who came and shoveled did a great job. And just want to throw some kudos out. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just anybody who came out here and was doing this and just – all of the noise this week was such nonsense. There were so many people who were like, oh, they moved this game because the Bills didn't want to play in the weather. Josh certainly did not intend to have a dig, but at the beginning of his press conference, he was like, it didn't matter when we played this game. We would have played it on Sunday. We would have played it on Saturday. We would have played it in any conditions, and we would have showed up. And and they're not volunteering to give this Kansas City shoes two days extra rest, by the way, mm-hmm. which is what's going to happen now leading into Sunday next week. Yeah, it's weird because you cannot look ahead, but now that you can because they have won and they're three games away from you know ultimately a Super Bowl, the game getting moved helped them in the 
interim with the first game, but it hurts them moving yeah, forward right. because they played on Monday and the Chiefs played on Saturday. So now you've got the Chiefs having two extra days rest. I know they have to travel, but for the Bills, they're on a short week with all of the injuries that they had. That makes the battle that much more difficult. So sure, they would have rather played the Steelers in these conditions because Josh was a fr- I mean, Josh had four total touchdowns. But look, he had a 52-yard rushing touchdown. If this game was played in snow and wind, you have a quarterback who is capable of doing that. Mason Rudolph is not running a 52-yard rushing touchdown. That's just not happening. So I don't think that if the game was played on Sunday, the outcome would have been different. I just think the score would have probably been different. It would have been it would have been closer, but I also think that the Bills would have still won. All right, let's get to next week, the Bills and the Chiefs on Sunday. 6.30 p.m. Sunday right here at Highmark Stadium. At least the league did that for the Bills and the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Whichever team won this game was going to play Sunday at 6.30. I think they understood they didn't want to put them in a Saturday window. So the Chiefs obviously do have the extra two days. The Bills will have to get some injured players back. We'll see how that goes. I was surprised. You came up here and I said, I say up here, we're up in the press box area, by the way, Highmark Stadium. You came up here and I said, Matt, do you know what the line is? And you said, yes, you did. I was kind of surprised the Bills have opened up as two to two and a half point favorites against the Chiefs next week. It's a little bit of recency bias on recency bias. I'm not saying you're being recent. I, I just think that like three days ago, if you knew the Bills and Chiefs both won, I would have thought the line would have been bigger. I think I'm probably thinking so much about the injuries and the yeah, short rest. For sure. I think that the injuries definitely play a factor. If the Bills are banged up going into this game, that is the ultimate X factor. But there is something to be said about this game being here. You would have signed up, not you, anybody who's listening to this would have signed up for this outcome, this scenario five weeks ago, six weeks ago, and you did not even know if the Bills were going to make the playoffs. The fact that you were going to be hosting them in the divisional round with a chance to win at home to ultimately get to the conference championship game is, you know, you sign up for that. Eventually, you're going to have to beat a good team, right? And no disrespect to the Steelers, but to get to the conference championship, you are going to have to beat somebody who is a tougher opponent. The Chiefs are the tougher opponent, and so much of it is Mahomes. It's Mahomes and it's Allen. And I know that that's going to be what's talked about the entire week. And there's so much more to that. There's so much more to these teams, but they're two of the best in the league. It's going to come. I mean, if Josh Allen has another game where he scores four total touchdowns, you probably feel pretty confident about your chances against Patrick Mahomes. You need your defense to be healthier. But I mean, the first time you played him, you held him to 17 and that was on the road. So if you could replicate that, I think you would sign up for it immediately. Yeah, so listen, let's talk about the guys that we're looking at as far as injuries. Obviously, Terrell Bernard might be first and foremost, middle of the field right there. Bale Inspector as a backup linebacker, we'll check on him. But the Bills might get Tyrell Dotson back. That's one. Look at the outside corners. Not only Russell Douglas, we talked about. Christian Penford goes out in this game. He's a big piece to what they do. Matt, he was on the field with his helmet on and standing there. I'm not saying he was clear to go back in. He was always questionable. I do wonder, though, a lot of times if it's that serious, you're not going to have him. He's going to be in street clothes. He comes back out. So maybe they'll be able to get him back. And let's remember, maybe Gabe Davis, maybe Taylor Rapp. You know, these are guys, it doesn't have to be all doom and gloom, but this is going to be a very, very important week. And then Taron Johnson, I, I don't know if it was officially announced concussion. No, he was never ruled out. He was right. never so, ruled out. So it was just the, it was just the evaluation. But it is on a six-day turnaround. So for some reason, he went into concussion protocol after this game. That's a tough ask for him to come back. So this is going to be tough. And then we get our first question. We threw it out there on Twitter. At Matt, Matt underscore Bove, at Sal Sports. And this is the one uh, I want to get to this because it says, how do, this is from TJ, how do you defend the middle of the field against KC if Bernard and Taron Johnson are out? I don't know if you do. I, don't know, I mean, I don't know how you do, to be honest with you. I think it's close. Here's one thing I would say. Here's my idea right now. 
play almost exclusively dime defense next week. Yeah, you could do that. But once again, is Taylor Rapp available? That's another question. Because I would feel comfortable with Cam Lewis doing it. Mm-hmm. My point is, then just, just say, you know what? We're going to let you run a little bit. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to get beat with Travis Kelsey or Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball. As much as their offense hasn't been great throwing the ball, that might be the way you have to play it. Yeah. TJ, are you religious? Because that might be a good place to start <laughs> as you try and figure out exactly how this team is going to stop them if they don't have Taron Johnson available. But because Taron Johnson was not officially ruled out, I guess that gives me a little bit of optimism. He was also livid on the yes, field. Yes, he was. He was taken out of the game. So it had to be an independent neurologist then to call, it, call over. I mean, the Steelers were ready to run a play during the commercial timeout, and all of a sudden someone went out and said, you got to come out. Yeah, he was not happy about that. Yeah, I mean, there's so many good questions here. Um, any people off the street going to make an impact for the Bills this week? That's from Phil. Potentially a punter. I mean, that would be the one that they would probably have to go We've out. We've had a couple of questions about Ariza. I can't see that happening, but I mean, I guess you never rule anything out, but I can't see that happening. If you are Matt Ariza, there's so many layers to this. If you were Matt Ariza, would you want to come back here? I don't know the, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know. I don't know either, but I don't, I don't think that's in play. But we had a few people ask that, so my t- initial thing is no, my answer. Trusting a punter who has never played in a regular season game right. or to play in the playoffs? No, that's right. That's a good question as well. Here's one for you guys from David. Would you be kind enough to scrape all the, all the ice off the ground by our seat before we get there next week? You know what, David? Dave, Dave Oh, well, Dave, you know what, Dave? I don't, tell Matt, tell, me, tell us where you sit. Maybe We never know what we can do. Well, there you go. Well, you're closer to that than me. Closer to that. I'll go. Do that. You can do that. Dave Spire is my parents' neighbor, a couple oh. houses down, season ticket holder. Great guy. Hi, Dave. All right. So let's look ahead to next week. Obviously, Chiefs. Initial thoughts on the game. Let's just say the Bills get maybe, maybe not Terrell Bernard, but they can get most of their guys back. What's your initial thought on the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes playing his first ever road game coming in the playoffs coming to Orchard Park? I think the Bills can beat any team in this league. I think they are good enough to beat anybody, and they are inconsistent enough to slip up at any time. I don't think that's anything new. I don't think I'm breaking any news. I think... Would you say the same thing about the Chiefs? Yes, but I think the tie goes to the team that has won it all and has consistently kind of been there. I think there is something... This is not an original thought, but I've seen a couple different people post about it on social media, and I think it's so well said that if you watched any of the shows or listened to any of the podcasts throughout the course of the season, the two teams that were written off by so many people were the Bills and the Chiefs. And no matter what happens on Sunday, one of those teams is going to be playing in the AFC Championship for a trip to the Super Bowl. So I think that that's just so much noise that happens during the season. I think the fact that the game is in Orchard Park is huge for the Bills. I think that even though they have proven they can go win at Arrowhead in the regular season, there are still some demons there. Yeah. It almost feels like Arrowhead is one of those places that sometimes beats you before you even get there because you know you've got to go into that environment. You know you've got to go play them on the road. It just makes it that much harder. The fact that they're in Orchard Park, to me, there's so many things that could happen. There could be a great quarterback duel, but I think if you have a big game from Josh Allen, then you feel confident with your chances of winning. The thing to watch in this game The first time they played, the Bills' offense was good in the first half and couldn't do really anything in the second half until the end of the game. Spags put Brady in a blender. They've scored 14 points in the first half and then just six points at the end. Now, it was enough because the defense had such a good game. I do not think 20 points is going to be enough. This is one of those games where it's like, you got to probably score minimum 28, 
maybe more because of the team that's on the other side. And even with the injuries, because of their lack of playmakers, if you could hold the Chiefs to under that like 28-point mark, I think you would feel really confident about your chances. It's a really good matchup. I think it just comes down to the quarterbacks. Yeah, and listen, that might be a game where you have to try and just make it a higher-scoring game if the defense is going to be without those players, but we'll see. The Chiefs have struggled on offense a lot this year that we've talked about, but right now, last week, they obviously turned it around a little bit in the cold against the Miami Dolphins, and then the other game, it's going to be the Houston Texans at the Baltimore Ravens. We will know when we get here on Sunday next week, Matt, which team is in the AFC Championship on the opposite side of the bracket already, and maybe even if that game would be here if the Bills were able to win, which would be incredible. How much of a chance you give the Texans at the Ravens? CJ Stroud's good. Yeah, he's, he's really good. He's the real deal. Um, I think the Ravens are the best team in the AFC and potentially the best team in the entire NFL, but I also don't think that they are, like, they can't be beat. They can be beat. Any, any team in the league can be beat at this point. And for as much success as Lamar has had, he also has sometimes slipped up in the playoffs. I mean, you think back to the game that was here when there was no fans in 2020 in the COVID year. Didn't do much in that game. I still think that they're going to win. I still think that it's a pretty safe bet that they are the team that is going to be playing in the AFC Championship no matter what. But I mean, if CJ Stroud has a good game, like yeah. it's not impossible. No, no, no. What's the line? Well, I haven't checked the line. Oh, nine, nine and a half, I believe. Shut up. I believe so, yeah. The Ravens are nine and a half points. I think so, yeah. You can look that up right now, but I think I was looking at it earlier, and I think that's the case. I am. I have also checked out the weather in Baltimore over the next couple of weeks to see. It's actually going to be really nice, actually, in the 40s, up to close to 50 degrees, much different than it is up in the you know Great Lakes area here where we are in Orchard Park. I already checked the weather for next Sunday here in Orchard Park. Matt, it looks like we're going to have a carbon copy of what they just played in next Sunday here in Orchard Park. Mid-20s, but clear and cold. Nine and a half. I think that's yeah. a lot, huh? Yeah, that's, I mean, I know that it's. It's the Ravens, though. They've had a great year. It's also a rookie quarterback. Yeah. And that's the and thing. I, oh, they've, they've had essentially three weeks rest. Yeah, but I maybe there's a little bit of rust there. Nine and a half for the Texans, and the 49ers are 10-point favorites against the Packers, which, once again, that's a big line. That's a big line for the divisional round, even for the wild card round. Going into this game and the Bills being a ten point favorite against the Steelers, I'm like, yeah, I think the Bills are going to win. Yeah. But ten points is a lot of points in the playoffs, especially against that team. They're a stingy team, and for the Bills, yeah, they are two and a half point favorites. And the over under is not nearly as high as you would think it would be. It's forty six and a half. So, based off of this, Vegas thinks it's like a twenty five twenty two game basically. So 24, 21, that's what they think. So it's close. going to be close. Let's hope uh, maybe we're here doing another podcast talking about uh, next week, uh, six days from now, talking about another game coming up. Well, uh, any final thoughts just on today's game and how it went after everything that we've been through here and the teams and all the city and Western New York has been through the last couple of days? Josh Allen plays good. They can absolutely beat the Chiefs. Uh, like I, I know that in years past, they have been the team that has been such a pain in the neck for this team. Eventually, you're eventually you got to beat them, right? If you want to be that team, eventually you got to beat them. The Chiefs are flirting with dynasty. They've already kind of probably catapulted themselves into that conversation. I think that they're coming to your house, right? Yeah. Beat them, right? This is Matt, you know, I was thinking about this before you walked up here. This is what you've been after for the last four years, essentially. After you lost the AFC Championship game in Kansas City during the COVID year in 2020, remember what Brandon Bean said in their exit interviews. They said, 
we need to get this game at home. We want to have them at home. Now, granted, they're not the number one seed. If they play in the AFC Championship game, could be on the road. But you've worked the last three to four years to get this team, the Chiefs, here at your place the next round. And despite all the things that went wrong this year, you're at home against the Kansas City Chiefs in the divisional round. I'll say this. I have no idea what's going to happen in the game. We have all week to talk about it. This week is going to be awesome. Yes. Like Enjoy it as much as it's going to be also stressful, probably, if you're Bills fans, because you're going to be thinking about the game and realize the opponent that you're playing. It's going to be so much fun of just like these two quarterbacks, and it's Josh, it's Mahomes, it's round three. They play each other every year. This has kind of come the new like Brady Manning type deal. I know that you know Bengals fans get all up in arms about that because they're like, no, Burrow and Mahomes is the Brady Manning because Josh hasn't beat him in the playoffs, and Burrow has. Maybe maybe this is what that is. Maybe this is the time that finally. Manning beats Brady. It took Manning a long time to get over that hump and beat Brady and ultimately get his. Maybe this is the moment for Josh Allen where he just loses his mind and has an unbelievable game. And then they're, you know, we're doing the same thing a week from now when we're talking about them getting ready for the AFC championship. But injuries, you, you got to see if they're a little bit healthier because if they're as banged up as they were in the second half of this game, the thing I said to TJ, if you, if you believe in anything, might be <laughs> might yeah. be wanting to call in a favor right now. The Bills' official injury report, both teams will come out on Wednesday. I'm sure the Bills will have a walkthrough on Wednesday, and we'll get more of an accurate read on what's happening with those injured players on Thursday and into Friday. All right, speaking of how great of a week it's going to be, you can always catch WKBW TV Channel 7, Matt Bove right there, and all the coverage they have there. And of course, WGR Sports Radio 550 here on Odyssey and along our Odyssey network, and of course the podcast here, it's always Game of Name Buffalo. We'll be back later this week to dig more in on a preview of this game. Dig. Nice. Dig. Oh, I love it. Oh, Stephon Diggs, right? Yeah, by the way. Like shovel. Oh, Diggs. I'm thinking Stephon Diggs. By the way, who did twice in this game go down, but luckily he seems to be okay. Not another guy you have to worry about there. For the most part, the offense has been pretty healthy. Conor McGovern did miss a step, but he, he went right back, back and he, yeah, he came, came right back in. So that's always good news. Alright, it's always Game Day in Buffalo. Thanks to Mike Robbie, our producer, for staying up a little bit and getting us this one out. Again, you can catch it always on the South Sports YouTube channel and wherever you pod on audio.